0: Welcome to the Federation of Asian Canadian Lawyers Faculty of British Columbia podcast. We are a diverse coalition of Asian Canadian legal professionals. We promote equity, justice, and opportunity for Asian Canadian legal professionals and the community. We foster advocacy, community involvement, legal scholarship, and professional development. The purpose of this podcast highlights the diverse and unique members of our community. We hope you enjoy our podcast. Hi, everyone. Today, we're really excited to invite Abby Pang onto Fackle BC's podcast. Abby Pang is the founder of Illuma Family Law and longtime volunteer with Fackle BC's Mentorship Committee. As a dedicated family lawyer and loving mother of two children, Abby is an advocate for the health of families and children. Having experienced a breakdown of her family unit in the past, Abby understands that divorce and separation can be complicated. Prior to starting her own firm, Abby practiced in personal injury law. She earned her bachelor's degree from UBC studying psychology and family studies and then earned her law degree from Manchester Metropolitan University as part of an exchange program with Hong Kong University. After completing her NCA and articles in Vancouver, she was called to the British Columbia Bar in 2012. So welcome, Abby. We're really excited to have you.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so lots of exciting changes lately going on with you. So congratulations on starting your own law firm. How does that feel like? Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: The first few weeks were definitely intense. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everything's sort of settling down now, so it's great and everything's coming into play and all the pieces are coming together and it's settling down. So it's starting to feel good now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. When was the start date of your firm? May 1st of 2022. Okay. Wow. That's super exciting. (laughs) And in terms of coming up with the firm name, how did you decide on the name?
1: Uh, I had a really long list of names. <laughs> I couldn't decide which to use., yeah. this is one of the ones that was on the list. And a good friend of mine actually went through a divorce recently, and she told mm-hmm. me that she got clarity through the process. And yeah. I thought that was really interesting. So this was on the list, and I felt like Iluma, is a good name because it'll help people get clarity through the divorce process.
0: It almost sounds like to illuminate, right? To give light to the process.
1: Exactly, yes. I
0: like that. (laughs) And then I'm sure this is something that a lot of people will be curious about, but why did you decide to start your own firm and why specifically in family law? It's a long story, but
1: basically with the threat of the caps and then no-fault legislation that's in effect now, you can't sue for ICBC cases anymore. And so those cases are coming to an end. So for the last few years, I've been really thinking about what I want to do. and I know I've always wanted to do family law at some point, so I've decided to move into family law.
0: I see. Yeah. And for the purposes of our audience who may not be as familiar with personal injury law and the no-fault scheme, could you maybe just give us a brief overview of what that entailed?
1: Yeah. So lots of changes happening in the last few years. Not everyone knows about it, surprisingly, but so April 1st, 2019, caps came into effect, which means that cases were capped at a certain amount. It was $5,500 at that time. And then starting May 1st, 2021, you can actually no longer sue for ICBC claims or get any kind of compensation anymore, except for certain exceptions. If the other driver caused the accident and they're convicted of some kind of criminal offense, or there's something to do with the manufacturing or servicing of the vehicle, if those were the reasons that caused the accident, then you may still have a claim. But those claims are very limited so the main cases that we usually worked on before where you could get compensation they pretty much no longer
0: are available so it seems like a lot of people who are or were practicing personal injury law are kind of pivoting away from this area a lot of us will be yeah i see i see it's very interesting that you decide to switch practice areas and one thing i'm personally curious about is family law i wouldn't say it's entirely identical to personal injury law but it definitely. I would believe with the litigation aspect of it, there is more or less a little bit of overlap. And of course, with managing client expectations, et cetera, et cetera. How did you prepare yourself or how did you gain exposure in family law to the point that you're comfortable enough to go out on your own?
1: Yeah, so I actually did split articles. So personal injury and family because I kind of knew that the law, or I kind of suspected that the law on personal injury actually might change at some point. And it did. So I proactively found a family law principal to do my articles with so that I could get some experience in case I wanted to change back. And it always was something that I wanted to try as well. Mm -hmm. In the last few years, I've kept myself doing some family law as well through the RISE Women's Legal Centre and Bettered Women's Service services through Mickey Curry. So I did pro bono clinics once a month or whenever I could just to keep myself informed of the cases and get exposure and get some experience and work with other lawyers who are dealing with family loss. So that was a really fun experience for me, actually.
0: I see. And if you're comfortable sharing with us the names of the pro bono clinics for people who are also thinking of wanting to gain exposure in different areas.
1: Yeah, it was actually through Amiki Curie. It's called Legal Forms BC. Mm-hmm. And they set me up at Rise Women's Legal Centre and Battered Women's Support Services. So even in clinics, usually from 5 to 8 pm there would be other lawyers there and other volunteers and it was really fun actually for (laughs) everyone to gather together and work on cases together with the sole intention to help whoever the client was at the time so i thought it was really interesting
0: that's great And going back to the beginning, you said you started in May 2022, and you said the first couple of weeks were tough. But on a broader note, I was also wondering, what are your greatest challenges so far in becoming a solo practitioner?
1: The greatest challenges, I think, would be because it has a lot of work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The, The setup is actually, there's so much administrative stuff to it. And then there's the financial budgeting part of it, banking and just making that move. I think it's really scary (laughs) 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 and going on your own. And then it's just the uncertainty and the unknown, just getting over that hurdle is quite tough. Yeah.
0: Mm, Absolutely. So with the COVID pandemic, a lot of people have shifted to a working from home type of nature. And I was wondering if you ever considered that type of working arrangement or if you've always thought that I want to have a physical office somewhere of some sort.
1: I absolutely would be open to work from home situations. Lawyers are all professionals and they really are self starters. (laughs) (laughs) They manage themselves. You don't need to push them. They will push themselves (laughs) (laughs) to work hard. And of course, the safety, staying healthy. So working from home is a great option if people have it and they can do that. I think it's great. And I know it saves a lot of time through commute and also just getting ready. You can get up and then you start working. (laughs) (laughs) You're five seconds away (laughs) from your desk. So I think it's great to have that option.
0: For sure. It's very convenient. Now, In deciding to become a solo practitioner, are you finding that there's enough resources and support out there for people who are in a similar position and want to start their own firm?
1: Yes. So the Law Society is a great resource. They have trust compliance and also practice advisors. And they have lots of articles that talk about starting your own firm and also about trust accounting. And then there's people there that you can actually just call or email and they'll answer your questions. So that's been a great resource. And also all the faculty mentors (laughs) (laughs) that you reach out to, Um, everyone is super great. Just chatting with them and talking to them about their experiences, Mm -hmm. uh, people have been really willing to help.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, with trust accounting, it's a bit of a random question, but I'm curious. Is there any specific bank in particular that your peers would recommend or how does that go with setting up the trust accounting? I think
1: all the banks can do trust accounting. You just set up a certain account that's used specifically for trust accounting. And then if you have a really good bookkeeper or accountant Mm -hmm. um, who's experienced in trust accounting, that's really helpful because they're experienced in it and they can do your monthly reconciliations. And they basically train me (laughs) on, (laughs) on how to do it. Other mentors as well that kind of have started their own practice. They went through it really quickly with
0: me as well. And speaking of bookkeeper... As with any lawyer, it's very important to have good support staff and good admin staff and people who can manage those books and numbers. So what type of processes have you been using in terms of recruiting other professionals who are helping you with starting your new firm?
1: So with bookkeeping, there's an offsite bookkeeper who actually does bookkeeping for different law firms. It's great because they're already experienced. They already know what to do. They've already dealt with people like you and other firms who do the same thing as you. So they're a great resource. My accountant friends (laughs) have been helping. And then also IT services is actually a huge Mm, one. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I think we can all speak from personal experience that the number of times we've had to call IT for help (laughs) is very great.
1: Yeah, it's huge. I didn't realize how much we rely on
0: IT. Now, my next question is, what do you envision in the future for yourself and your firm, of course? So I really did enjoy my
1: time at RISE Women's Legal Center and Better Women's Support Services, just Mm -hmm. because it was a group of people who got together to help other people who were in need or needed assistance. And I really loved doing that kind of work. So I'm really hoping that Illuma Law is going to be similar, that we're just a group of people who like to help other people who are being treated unfairly, or they just need help finding justice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's where I see Law going.
0: I love that. And in terms of the growth or the practice areas, do you see yourself staying mostly in family law within the next five to 10 years? Do you hope that your firm will grow to maybe five to 10 or even a greater number of lawyers, assistants, students? Do you have any idea what those numbers might look like?
1: Yeah, I'm hoping that will grow in the next few years. The more lawyers here that want to work together to help other people, the better. I'm the youngest in the family, so I'm used to having people around all the time. I enjoy that, definitely, and I like having people around me. The more, the merrier is how I see it. That's super exciting, and we're very excited to see what
0: the future holds for your farm. I see that we have a little bit of time and I know it's obviously been some time since you've been called to the bar but I understand that you also hosted our NCA slash LLM event put on by the mentorship committee. A lot of formally trained lawyers are coming to Canada and have lots of various experiences with the NCA process. If you don't mind sharing with the audience, how was your experience 10 years ago?
1: 10 years ago okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Way back. laughs> I heard it changes over the years and it's changed for everyone and everyone seems to have a different experience mm-hmm. but for me it was a long process to be honest and I was working at a I guess a large law firm and studying at the same time so in the evenings but because the application process was such a long time and like Getting the exams, they're really spaced out. I did have a lot of time to study in between the exams while working full time. And I just took a few days before the actual exam to study and just really focus on doing those practice exams just before the exams. But the application process was a long process. The law is very similar, so I thought studying was actually kind of fun to learn about the Canadian law. And the exams in Canada are open books, so it's kind of different from my own experience in law school.
0: Now, I also heard that for NCA candidates, everybody gets assessed with a different number of required exams to take, right? Depending on how many transfer over from your original degree. Could you tell us a bit more about what the maximum number could have been? How many you ended up with?
1: I can't remember how many exams I had to take, actually. (laughs) It must have been about six or six seven from okay. what I remember. Yeah. And I've heard some people didn't even have to take any exams at all. And then I've heard, I think the most I've heard is nine. I don't know if it's the same anymore, but I think you're only allowed to take three per sitting. So you can only take three and then you have to wait until the next round to do your next few exams. And then that's why the process took such a long time. And I think you had to wait until you got your results before you could even register for the next round. But I can't even remember
0: to yeah. be next for sure it's been such a long time ago one more question i'll ask you on the NCA process how did you find yourself in terms of finding an article position
1: Yeah, I'd say that was the hardest part. Mm -hmm. Uh, As I mentioned in the NCA event that we had, networking is probably the most important. And luckily for me, actually, because I had worked at a law firm prior to going to law school, I was easily able to just go back to that firm during the summer and then for articling as well. So that was really helpful.
0: Just to confirm, this firm, was it local in Vancouver
1: Correct, yeah. Just before going to law school, got some experience at a local law firm, so Vancouver downtown, and just maintained a good relationship with my boss at the time. When I finished first year, I was able to call him up and be like, hey, I'm back in the summer. (laughs) Do you
0: want to employ me? Sure. The importance of keeping those good relationships, and that's why we have faculty, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, love Faculty PC. <laughs> Shameless plug.
0: <flag. laughs> <laughs> all right, well, in closing, pivoting back to the solo practitioner piece and obviously all the exciting changes you've been up to lately, what advice would you give to lawyers who are also considering starting their own firm? Connect with your Faculty
1: mentors because they will keep using you to people who can help and talking to other people who have done the same thing and i'm open to chat with anyone who has any questions or want to chat about this as well because i think it's really important that you talk to other people who've been through the same process i was lucky enough to have a lot of friends or people i know through faculty and other entities and everyone was really willing to help and bounce ideas off each other so that i think would be my best advice
0: those of you who are listening feel free to reach out to abby I'm very open to talking to more people who are in the same boat and we are very grateful for that and your mentorship of course <laughs> yeah
1: no worries i'm gonna pay it
0: forward for sure thank you again for being part of our podcast today thank you for having me thank you for tuning into the faculty bc podcast visit our website at facultybc.ca and follow us on facebook instagram and linkedin at faculty we hope you enjoyed our episode today and stay tuned for the next guest if you have guest speaker suggestions, please email us at membership at facultybc.ca.